Hello and welcome to this special episode of Music Works. Today we will discuss the Musician Census, a joint project by the Musicians Union and help musicians to get a deeper understanding of what it's like to be a musician in 2023. To discuss the importance of this ambitious project and how your contribution to the census can help to better support the wider music community in the future, we are joined by three special guests. Sarah Woods, Deputy Chief Executive at Help Musicians, John Shortell, Head of Equality, Diversity and Inclusion at the Musicians' Union, and Linton Stevens, freelance bassoonist and broadcaster of the BBC Radio 3 programme Classical Music Fix. Before we head over to the Music Works studio to meet our guests, here is an advert from our sponsor. Music Works is sponsored by the Musicians' Union. I'm a member of the Musicians' Union. It's the trade union for musicians living and or working in the UK, and it's a community of 32,000 members working to protect musicians' rights and campaigning for a fairer industry. As well as campaigning to fix streaming and keep musicians working in the EU post-Brexit, the union collectively bargains for musicians working in orchestras and theatres and sets minimum recommended rates for freelance musicians working in other sectors. Its expert staff provide contract advice, legal advice and assistance, and a range of benefits and services to help musicians in every aspect of their work. Be part of something bigger and get the recognition you deserve. Join now at the mu.org. Welcome, Sarah, John and Linton. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank Hello. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this ever since I heard about this project um, before Christmas when we were planning this episode with the MU. Um, I've been incredibly excited about the prospect of a census for musicians, which is, of course, um, this is the first one and it's never been done before. And the data that it's going to collect is going to be really important to the industry. Um, and I would like to talk first of all about why that is, why the why this um, data is going to be so important. Let's jump straight in. John, would you like to tell us about that? Yeah, so I, as you'll know, working in the industry, there's lots of surveys that happen, some regular, some one-offs. There's some great work by organisations like UK Music who do their annual uh, music survey for musicians and also the diversity survey that they do for um, industry people as well. However, there's been a lack of comprehensive data on the lives of musicians. And when I say comprehensive data, I mean data that covers demographics, earning, diversity, health and well-being, and the breadth and variety of working patterns as well. So we wanted to create a project, the census, that brought all that data into one place. And we can kind of look at that data and look how it intersects and get a real picture of musicians' lives as a whole working in 2023. Um, the other reasons why we're doing it is there's a lack of not just the lack of data there's a lot of estimation about the size of the musician population and also the diversity of the musician population in the uk so it makes it difficult for organizations like the musicians union and help musicians to accurately make assumptions about the musicians population and understand the challenges that musicians face in both the careers and the lives so we're really looking at a holistic view of musicians not just the way they work but the impact that has on the life as well so the mu and help musicians come together um, we started speaking about this quite a while ago now because we wanted to make sure that we got it right. We got kind of one crack at this and we wanted to make sure we launched with the right network behind us, with the right partners and asking the right questions. So it did take some time to kind of refine it and we were happy with the outcome, obviously, and then we launched it. And um, so, yeah, we come together and discuss what do we need to do to understand these experiences and the needs of all professional musicians around the UK. So um, those that are in MU membership or engage with help musicians, just as much as that those as those who aren't. And I can't stress that enough. This isn't just for 
MU members or people who are engaged with help musicians. This is for every musician in the UK. No matter where you work or how you work, we want to hear from you. Um, so obviously alongside, on, alongside understanding the numbers of musicians in the UK, we wanted to build that richer picture as well of the demographic makeup of musicians. And as I said, how they work and what the lives are like. So yeah, this is the first of its kind. It's a census of all musicians in the UK. Um, and those answers to the questions are really going to help us understand your lives better and help and support and organise the musicians that both of our organisations work with and care so much about. Great, thank you. And uh, you did touch on this, but um, I wonder what what actually does count as a musician? What Because I think you, you mentioned that it's really hard to estimate the numbers of musicians. I actually think there's a lot of variety in, in who, whether two people who do the same things, one of them might categorise themselves as, as a musician and one might not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know who would like to take the question, but oh, what, God, what counts as a musician? We went back and forth on this for hours, didn't I we? I bet. <laughs> So we, we, we had lots of discussions about the kind of net that we were trying to, 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 to catch here. Um, and it, obviously there's some questions in the, um, in the FAQ section on the Musicians website, uh, Musician Census website around this. But basically we're looking at people that are um, earning or thinking about earning from music in the future. So that's quite broad, um, but that earning point really is the key, the key issue. Okay, so it's a, a con contribution to to earnings. So yes. people who make music purely as a leisure time activity, this isn't for it's them. Not, this yeah. is for yeah. yeah. Uh, that's that's really clear. Thank you. Um, and so let's talk more about who this is for. And so when we were talking about this just before the episode, um, you mentioned that it, you you've obviously done a lot of thinking about how to reach the breadth of people who are musicians under that you know under that category as you've said um across the across the is this a nationwide census is this it international is. Okay. is this a, a uk no, it's uk it's yeah. uk linton would you like to talk to us about who we're trying to reach and the challenges with that yeah sure i mean i think john talked about it before we talked about the diversity of people who earn money through music and when we hear the word diversity we often think ethnicity or disability but actually that also covers the diversity of how people earn through music and very often we see a very large sector in the music and musician and music making world are classical musicians but there's all sorts of people who earn money through music and music making so it's it's reaching that breadth of people but also the other important thing is the fact that and, and I relate this especially to, so I chair the Equalities Committee, and we are often faced on the Equalities Committee with issues that transcend one particular genre. Um, for example, sexual harassment, things like that. And the difficulty is, or what this census aims to tackle, is there isn't a lot of joined up thinking. So very often, issues to do with equality, diversity and inclusion, and I, and, I, and I mean that in the broadest sense of the spectrum, there isn't a lot of joined up thinking. So things can be happening in one place and happening in another and happening in another, or indeed not happening in one place and not happening in another, not happening in another. And because very often these instance, instances are isolated or um, very often go unreported, 
people don't feel the support. What this census aims to do with the results and that catchment is is to aid this joined up thinking. So we can see across a breadth of music making and musical genres and musicians what the real problems are. And rather than tackling each fire one at a time, we can mm. get a big hose and put this fire out all together or indeed make it, you know, make it better for everybody so that there's there's blanket policies and blanket protections and 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 things across the breadth of music making and also as well to see what things are, are doing well and what we can do more on. Mm, absolutely. It's, it's so intersectional, isn't it? And so much... Um uh just the the number of ways in which people can earn or be involved in music in in one way or another is uh are just so so varied i'm sure it's quite quite the challenge to work that out coming back to you john can you talk more about um about making sure that we're reaching all of the communities that we're trying to reach yeah definitely i mean linkedin touched on it here it's about a lot of this work in the early stages was how do we bring the industry together to be behind this census because obviously help musicians and the musicians union, we've got our own pool of members, our own pool of people who we communicate with or engage with services. We kind of know what, what those people look like, where they work. We've got a good idea of that. So this was about bringing the industry together to be behind this census so we can reach the widest pool of musicians possible. So that looked like on our steering group, we've got organizations like Black Lives in Music, UK Music, Association for Electronic Music, um, Drake, um, which works with disabled musicians and Drake Scotland as well. Um, Attitudes is everything. So really looking at which organisations exist within the industry to support those marginalised or minoritised communities and making sure that they were fully informed and they had a role in helping us create the census um, through um, a workshop and then obviously regular engagement with them. And then really looking at who we're connected with just as much as who we're not. So who do we need to build relationships with to reach those musicians and doing that kind of work? This is why it's taken so long to talk about and then actually do, because all yeah. that thing, I don't think we probably realised that when we set out to do it, how big this project was. And it was only when we started discussing it, we were like, wow, this needs time and space to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, mm. to reach those widest pool of musicians. So yeah, I mean, the, the data's only as good as the people who fill it in, isn't it? So yeah. we really are looking for the, the widest possible pool of musicians and underrepresented musicians, I can't even say, underrepresented musicians <laughs> are especially important to us because they're less likely to engage with our services, they're less likely to report these issues or have somewhere to report them. And then if you put the freelance layer on top of that, it's another complication. So there's not like you've got an organisation that you're connected to in an employment sense or you've got an HR department. So it's really that. That's one thing I would like to say in this. I really encourage those musicians to fill in the census. Um, not only are we going to use that data to improve the industry and to improve our services, we use that data for different things, help musicians and musicians union. We've got the same aim. We love musicians. We want to support them. We want to make their lives and careers as best as they possibly can be. But we go about it in very different ways. So we'll, like, we'll use it for different purposes. So we'll use the data or working with employers and organisations who employ musicians to make sure their employment practices um, are fair, musicians are treated fairly. Another example could be to make sure that they've got reporting mechanisms in place and do that kind of best practice work. Because as a union, we don't only just look after pay, it's conditions as well. So we make sure that you're treated fairly as work. We make sure that you're supported if you do experience issues at work. So it's all those things. And in addition, we'll use it to lobby governments on different issues that come out of the census. It's hard to kind of not preempt what's going to come out of it, isn't it? And think, oh, I'll work yeah. on this and work on that. But yeah, we're really looking forward to see what data comes out of it and what we can do with it. 
Yeah, it'll be so interesting, won't it, with it never having been done before. Yeah. Um, so it's, um, I expect it'll be both familiar and surprising uh, in some ways. Um, so I'm keen to talk more about um, about why we, why people would fill this in. And obviously, we've got three brilliant people here from different perspectives. Um, so I know, like I say, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, hooray, a census, some data. That's exactly what we need. I completely understand why this is necessary. And I also know from working with a lot of freelancers and a lot of um just across the music industry that a lot of people would might hear about this and go I don't really know why or maybe I actively don't want to give yeah. information about myself to something um I don't understand what why or what it'll be used for so I'd like to spend some time with each of you talking about your perspective on this and I wonder whether it might be best Linton are you happy to speak to the freelance side of this um seeing as we've we've had a bit on the organizational side already should we start with you yeah, for sure. So I think it, I, I'm I'm the exact type of person you've just described. So <laughs> a survey, and I will be like, "Why do you need my information? Why do you want my information?" Having worked also on the administration side of it, I know that data collection is an absolute flipping nightmare. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, shockingly so to the point where you know I, I would have thought if you send out a, a survey to employees you know, you're going to get a pretty decent return on that. Actually, usually, I, I remember we did, we've done a few with the MU, haven't we, John? Yeah. And, and if we get 20% return on, on a total number of people, that's actually probably extremely positive. So the first thing I would say as a freelancer is, if you are a freelancer listening to this, don't just think that somebody else can do it. If you have concerns about where the data is going or what the data is being used for, get in touch with the union. But it's really important. Just make that consideration, make that consideration to fill it out in the first place. Um, the data will be used to to help all sorts of areas. It, it's hard to get a broad overview of what is going right and what isn't going right without getting a broad spectrum of responses. As a an individual as a freelancer what this will provide and what will what it will strengthen for me who who works very closely with the union it, it as a freelancer very often you are out on your own and it can be quite solitary uh, even if you're around people every single day you are your business you know it's not a group of people that you work with regularly so for some people it is but you know you can be in five different settings that, like i know more than anybody you can be in five different settings over five days so what this does is it draws all that information centrally and that allows us to see what is affecting the community community of musicians and where we can what we can then start to do is accurately assess and predict patterns and also more importantly prevent things where things are are not working and then the, the, the on a social level as well what that does is that that contributes to this to to feeling like you're part of that community as well it it it's, it tells you I used this example before, and it's quite a morbid one, but it tells you, you know, if you are a victim of sexual harassment, you are not alone. Here are some statistics that back up what you have been thinking about that you thought you were dealing with by yourself. And here is where you can get support on it. And and here is where we can lobby in your corner with with you, people like facts and figures. Here are the facts and figures that 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 will support your argument and 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 make 
consequently the union's position for being on your side even stronger brilliant thank you exactly um sarah let's come to you what's the the help musicians perspective on this well i, I think it's been a really tough couple of years for musicians the pandemic hit them really hard you know we saw as a charity the scale of response that we needed to provide to to support musicians both financially emotionally um through that and in terms of career development so, you know significant increase in our support there um, we have um, significant ambition over the next few years to try and reach every musician across the UK with news about how we can help them. But at the moment, we have no idea what that kind of geography of musicians' population looks like. So that's a really key starting point for help musicians. So if we're to measure our impact in years to come in terms of reach, we can do that based on that map and try and do better every year. And then just thinking about the design of services uh, to help musicians, both in terms of career development, um, but also in terms of empowering uh, their business and, and their careers. I think I'm, I'm hoping that the insight that we will get from the survey, both in terms of some of the barriers that musicians are facing, what that kind of economic model looks like for them will enable us in the years to come to design much more impactful services or to evaluate the services that we're offering at the moment and see how um, investment in certain parts of the UK or in certain musicians' communities might make them uh, more impactful also. So this is a really pivotal piece of research for, for help musicians to enable us to, to really do more for musicians in the years to come. And now I think about it, you know, we're a charity that's been going for 100 years and I wonder how we've done without it. So it really is massively important to us. It's just so critical, isn't it? Um, obviously, um, we've talked about that you're probably expecting some surprises and, and, and prepared to be really, to look at this data fresh and say, you know, this is what this is telling us. But do you, what do you know is going to come out of this already? There's, are there some things that you're like, this is definitely going to tell us something about this? So I think, look, um, you know, we, we, we've not closed the census yet. So I think drawing any kind of parallels in terms of what we've seen at the moment. But if I just pick on one stat that I was looking about the, uh, looking at the other day. So number of musicians who are responding to say they've got a, a mental health condition. So what we'll be able to do from this census is cut that data to understand are there certain characteristics of people either geographically again or in terms of some of the other questions that we put in the census that enable us to understand whether there are some contributing factors uh, to that issue. So again, we can design interventions and you know, work with partners like the Musicians Union and other people within the industry to do more about that together. Um, and one of the things that's really important with this census is we will share those top line findings with the rest of the music industry so we can all learn and do better in future years. So um, that's just one thing, but I think getting beneath that data and really understanding what are the relationships between some of those issues will really inform how we can make a difference in the years to come. That's a really clear example, thank you, because I think what, if I'm understanding correctly, what you're saying is that, you know, with a situation like mental health, we know that this is definitely going to come up, um, but what we don't know other circumstances that we can track from the other data in the survey that can help us to understand it more deeply. Exactly. I think that's what's most exciting about it, isn't it? About having that, mm. as I said at the beginning, that richness of data that's going to give us those insights, what we've never had before. Um, mm. 
it's without sounding like an idiot, it's super exciting when you start beginning to think about, oh my God, we can cut the data this way or that way, look at this issue. Yeah, we are really excited to see what comes out of it. And yeah, I think absolutely. the amazing thing that Sarah said is that they're not, you're not keeping, we're not keeping the data to us. Yeah. You know, we're not lock, yeah. keeping it under lock and key. This will then be available for, this will aid in that joined up thinking that I was talking yeah. about before. In fact, it'll mm. be the, it'll be the backbone, I think, of a lot of joined up thinking across the industry. Yeah, and it's it's data that provides the fuel for lobbying, isn't it? As you've been talking, I've been thinking about an organisation that I've I've seen a lot from, which is um, Pregnant Then Screwed, which is a charity that um, that campaigns for for parenthood rights, and yeah. they release surveys that ask questions that they most definitely essentially know the answers to, right? But they need. 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 people to tell them that this is the answer because that is what allows them to take the data um, to the government and to the to the people who can really make a difference to those conditions. Um, John, do you want to speak to this from the from the MU perspective? Yeah, I think LinkedIn and Sarah have kind of covered it, covered it. I mean, for me, what I would say to musicians is like, this is an opportunity to have your voice heard. So, and you don't get those opportunities that often do you. So, as I said before, even if you're not connected to either of our organizations, this is your shot at getting your voice heard, putting your uh, experiences forward throughout the census. And as we said before, that's all anonymized, so we won't necessarily know it's you. But if you've had that experience, someone else will have had that experience as well. And the more we know about that, we can either replicate that if it's a good experience, so we're looking at behavior change in that way, or we can look at the reasons, like Sarah said, that you're experiencing that and what can our organisations do about that? Is it an intervention? Is it lobbying government? Is it tweaking our services or creating a new service or initiative to support that specific group? Um, so, yeah, you can see I'm getting really excited again when I'm starting to think about all the things that we do. But for us, it's going to help us support and organise all musicians, whatever the background is and wherever they work. Um, mm. Improve musicians' pay, conditions, knowledge and skills, as we said before. Um, and making sure that the union services are useful and relevant to our members and people who aren't our members yet as well. And um, from my perspective as head of EDI, I'm really going to be looking at it to promote equality, diversity, inclusion. So not just the issues, but where are those pockets of musicians working, the marginalised musicians, what can the union do to engage with that group, support those more fully and see them into union mem membership and represent them better. So mm -hmm. all those type of things, when I'm thinking about it, we have different sections at the MU. So we'll have education, recording and broadcasting. There's literally something in there for every section at the MU that whoever looks after that section will be able to use and go away and work on to improve the work that we do. Um, yeah. So yeah, the main message is, yeah, use it as an opportunity to have your voice heard. Definitely. And actually something that struck me before when you guys were talking about the 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 ways in which the data can be cut and the ways that sort of more um, layers of information can be gained about particular issues. Um, it's impossible for any one person to, you know, like you say, if you if you start with mental health issues and then you go and this comes hand in hand with this and then this comes hand in hand with this, you need mass data to be able to make those connections because any one person, no matter how sort of much they think about this themselves, will always think, oh, this is my particular set of circumstances. Maybe I connect that with that. Maybe I don't. It's only through having a massive data set that these, that these patterns are really trackable. Um, yeah, and Katie, just, yeah. just to add to that, I think for us, you know, this is a project that we want to do every three to five years to track mm. those macro trends over time. But I also think it's highly possible, back to your point about surprises, that, you know, something comes out of the data that we feel we need to do a deeper dive in. Mm. 
Yeah. So, you know, that there might be a topic here that we haven't thought is an issue, that we say, you know what, there's a really important new research strand that we need to, we need to embark on. Mm. Um, so there's that be that point of reflection, but also it will inform our future research priorities actually in, in the next couple of years too. So, so it's got a wider value. And, and I think from help musicians' point of view, you know, the message very much is that help us to help you. Mm. That's really the motive for this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and it's re it's really clear from this conversation how much you and your organisations are dedicated to understanding this data and using it as a force for good. Could you could someone talk to me about lobbying and um, what kind of? I'd kind of like to know what this will change about lobbying for you. This is one thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll pick up on the childcare issue that you picked yeah. up on earlier. So we've got um, parents in performing arts, Pippa as part of the steering group on it and has helped us design those questions. So we already know that there's a childcare issue um, and an infrastructure issue, not just in the music industry, in, in the UK in general. But having that data and telling us how that impacts your work, why it creates a barrier to your work, um, all, all things that work well, is really going to help us lobby on that point specifically if we're just looking at one point. Um, mm. To look at the numbers of people who are excluded from work because of a lack of infrastructure for childcare, what childcare suits musicians? I mean, we know already that it'd be out of hours or unsociable hours childcare. How do we make that affordable? What percentage of your earnings goes on childcare? So those type of questions with the data they'll give us will be really useful to look at, okay, well, what is a childcare sector that works for musicians or the creative industries more widely? So it'll be points like, like that will make our lobbying more nuanced, more reflective of the way our members work and more reflective of the thing that our members want. I think as well to add to what John said, you know, I can I can tell you and you can relate emotionally to something that I'm going through. But but when we're trying to tackle something, and especially from a lobbying point of view, when you can put facts and figures in front of somebody as uh, and, and in the context of a total demographic. So this is, you know, within our organization, lots of women say they experience this. But then if I say to you across the UK, 70% of, of women who are musicians have experienced this. Suddenly, there's a whole lot more gravity to, towards action. You know, we, we as hum, human beings, we love figures because they're very easy for us to compute. And, and when we talk about percentages and things, it's actually very easy for us to, to acknowledge. And when, when you're appealing to somebody emotionally, it purely depends on how the other person receives that em emotional message but numbers are universally acknowledged so it makes lobbying in that respect much more powerful and it kind of whittles it down to a way that everybody can understand as well and from that that makes action much more uh, achievable mm -hmm. yeah that's really that's a really good point and i think also a lot of the topics that we're talking about here are things that can that people take way more or less seriously depending on their personal experience with them. So parenthood, discrimination, anything to do with being a musician, arguably, I would say, are things that are <laughs> things that are sometimes not seen as top priority, depending on the perspective of the person that's listening to the to the information. But yes, when you look at the, the data, it's a lot less subjective. And I do think things will come out of the data that I was going to ask, yeah. 100% there'll be surprises in there where we've thought, yeah. okay, we didn't know about this, or we can yeah. lobby around this, or whether that means lobbying government or lobbying the industry or making recommendations to the wider industry, mm. there'll be definite surprises that 
come out of it. That'll inform our work and, like you said, make it more nuanced. From an EDI committee chair point of view, we can only ever discuss the things that people bring to us. But if these surprises pop up, we can be like, you know what, actually, this is a really pertinent point. This needs to be on the table. And actually, we need to be seeking help in, in informing how we pursue this, because perhaps none of us around the table have that have that experience. So in the opposite way that we were talking about facts and figures, this can also inform from a, a personal and mm. um, I guess emotional point of view what we need to be pursuing that we might not have considered. Yeah, absolutely. And and it, it gives a sense of urgency as well, doesn't it? The figures have a the figures will have their own story about the urgency of certain issues for, for people and something that might feel might have felt quite minor based on the sort of um, anecdotal data that's available could suddenly become a lot more widespread. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think so there's a feeling behind this, which I love, but I just want to make this explicitly clear to our listeners that this is that this is positive steps for actual material change. Yeah. This data is going to be used to really fundamentally change things about the industry. So like I think that parents for to use this example, which is one that I personally have have experience of it's possible for parents to go through parenthood especially of young children and just accept that there are things that they can't do without ever being presented with the possibility that actually the systems around them could change to allow them to do it um and i think that that you know i believe that this message is coming from you guys that this is actually um this is the, the level of change that we're looking for with this ultimately. Absolutely, 100%. And just as much as we're looking for issues, we're looking for good practice as well. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example, what I can't, but say we find <laughs> out some good practice somewhere, um, then we can, as I said before, do a deep dive into that and further research, find out, well, what works in that sector? I'm trying to think mm. of something. I, I can think of one, John. We, we had a session the other week on, on approaches to um, orchestral auditions. And what mm. we found, like we sat in a room with people and and very often you know i'll go in with a bit of a a bit of a shield up ready to defend our actions and actually what we found out was that so many people what everybody was on board and so many people were trying different things and actually what was great was the sharing of best practice mm. yeah absolutely this feels like a very solutions focused exercise mm -hmm. um this exercise is perhaps a small word for such a big project <laughs> That's great. Um, thank you so much for sh coming on this and sharing this um, information. I hope that for you guys listening, that this has persuaded you to do the survey. I have realised that we've talked about it for half an hour without telling you how you can do it. <laughs> Would someone like to tell us what we need to know about where to find it, how to do it, etc.? Yeah, basically, if you if you go and um, look for musiciancensus.co.uk. Uh, there's a link through the website, um, go to help musicians or MU's pages and you can find all, all information about it there. Uh, but we'll happily put the link out. That would be fantastic. Thank you. And it just takes 10 minutes of your time. We've just got to get that. It's just 10 minutes yeah. of your time that we're asking for. And you entered into a prize draw as a thank you um to win one of five 300 pound vouchers is it is it one of five or eventually five. yeah so there's a good incentive there um obviously the main incentive is getting your voice heard but it's mm. it doesn't hurt to give people a little extra incentive now and again does it we all have a prize don't we yeah um uh, yeah, I've done the census. Um, and actually, this is something that I was going to bring up before is it is uh, I did have a think about whether like, 
as someone it's so my job is 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 in music but it's not playing it's um consulting and um managing and so on um and so that was that was for me as well i found as i went through the questions um and so that that's also um that's also a part of it but yes i've done it really does take 10 minutes and also as speaking to the people who don't like filling in surveys of which i am one it's not annoying (laughs) (laughs) we've tried really hard not to make it annoying there's something about questionnaires where you answer what feels like the same question over and over again. You get very, I feel like the, there's a lot that you don't complete for that kind of reason. It's not annoying. It feels relevant and important. And I know that I'm more bought in than some might be, but you know, that's my, that's my feedback on the, uh, on the, the process of filling it in. Yeah. Lovely. Um, we're going to start rounding off, but what I'd like mm. to do if you're up for it is just ask each of you for one line on what you're really hoping um, a result of this will be. Uh, let's start with whoever volunteers. <laughs> um, I, I'm really hoping that we will get a much better understanding of what that UK population of musicians looks like, but a really rounded picture of what the lives and careers of musicians look like to enable us to make a real difference in the years to come. Lovely. I think from from my perspective, something that will help us make positive change. So not just releasing reports, actual data that leads to change. Um, and I think for both of our organizations, I can quite firmly commit to like, that's what we want to use the data for, is yeah. to make musicians' lives and careers better. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, pretty much echo what they both said, which I know is a bit of a cop-out, but <laughs> I think, we're we're involved in organize we're all involved in organizations that want to help people within our sector i think ultimately this is just going to give us the tools to do that it more efficiently and better lovely thank you and um i have one as well as as someone who sits somewhat between the uh the organizational and the freelance in in my particular role um i would love to see and this is not dissimilar to what you guys have said but something that I would love to see something that helps people in positions like yours help the people who are operating pretty much solo and often in an isolated way to feel more, to be more supported and to have better, better experiences in the industry. Lovely. Thank you so much, everyone, for for coming and talking to us about this. We shall release it and I'm sure the census responses will come flooding in. Um, Listeners, you have until the end of February 2023 to fill this in. Um, So if you're listening after that, I'm sorry, it's too late. (laughs) Having said all of this, (laughs) you can do it next time. (laughs) Lovely. Thank you so much, Sarah, John and Linton for joining me today. Thanks for having us, Katie. Thanks. Bye.